0: Welcome to 74Escapes' new podcast series, Breaking Bread with Vera Lulu. I'm Vera, and I will take you on a gastronomic journey to explore food as an expression of cultural identity. I'll be hosting chefs and industry professionals from all over the world to discuss everything about this art form that really nourishes our souls. Let's start. Born and raised in Athens, a city full of history and art, from a young age, Azimakis was very interested and involved in street art. While his interest for food started to become a dream of a career, art really inspired him and helped him to develop as a young commission chef in a variety of kitchens. But nothing made him as passionate about cooking as fine dining and French cuisine. Now, an executive chef at Pied-à-Terre, an establishment of such history, where he has been awarded, his first Michelin star in 2018 at the age of 28, he was the first Greek to ever be awarded a Michelin star out of his country and youngest in London. In 2019, he has launched a concept called Chef's Table by Zimaki, where he cooks in front of eight guests a surprise menu that may vary from 16 to 22 courses depending on ingredients and seasonality. It's a concept made with a collaboration with Martin Moore Kitchens and Gagno UK where they made a luxurious space of a domestic kitchen with cooking and plating everything in front of the guests. And today I feel so fortunate to inaugurate my podcast with my dear friend and inspiration, Chef Azimakis. Chef, how are you today?
1: Very good Vera, how are you doing?
0: I'm fantastic. I find it's a testament to Greek food that a simple salad of feta, red onion, cucumber, and tomato can become such an iconic dish there is so much more to countries cooking however from gyros to world-class restaurants uh, tell me more about your origin and what led you to be a chef well
1: obviously yeah I was born and raised Athens and now what made me become a chef I think the love of food generally when I was very young I didn't really think of becoming a chef I didn't really feel like doing this as, a, as a as a profession I didn't really even think of uh, but what was you to go in restaurants and my mom used cook a million and I used to cook at home like 15 and um, I wasn't great at school anyway and then when I decided to go to cooking school I ended up being one of the best students of my class and then after that everything took us I think its turn and, and it worked out great.
0: Um, was, was cooking a big part of your family life or your picky eater as a child?
1: Um, it, it was a big part of, of, my, of my family, like my mom would cook a different food every day, not because of different food, just because we had a variety of dishes anyway. Um, and what was the second question? Sorry? No. Um, no. Peter. <laughs> no, I, I, I eat literally everything. The only thing I don't like eating is cooked spinach. And I think that's the only reason, because my mom used to make this, um, this, this stew of spinach and tomatoes with a bit of rice in there. And I remember myself like being like, I don't know, five, six years old. And with a little fork, I just pick the rice and I leave the spinach on the side, which is like, <laughs> and stuck with me and I'm like, I can't really have any cooked spinach.
0: Um, you seem to spend so much time in Greece, especially post COVID right now, now that you're out of London. Um, Is it crucial for you to spend time at home and how often do you visit?
1: Uh, I suppose it's crucial for me to go at home, not on the culinary side of things anymore, but on on the terms that it brings me more of peaceful mind and and see my family and spend time with them. Always, every time I'm here, I'm doing something very interesting. So like we have a little farm in Kefalonia where I'm coming from, where we grow lots of vegetables. I have four different different, uh, grape varieties. I got lemon trees, almond trees, walnut trees. I grow onions, tomatoes, watermelons, like a million things. Um, And I'm going always, like this morning, I was going out for fishing. And in winter, I would go for uh, for hunting with friends. So, I mean, it's just like spending more time in nature where you can't have that so much in London and I'm not coming from UK anyway. Um, I know so many more, more people here. And um, I just spend more time learning more th- things about different, as well different regions of fish, where I'm going and traveling and see different friends.
0: This is beautiful. So, what did you catch today? Since you went fishing?
1: So, um, yeah, it's tricky to say. So we catch uh, seabrim, which is a fish you can find everywhere. Uh, but we have a different fish called the uh, salpes, which is actually having the fridge. Um, it's like a silver fish with like very golden lines, line going going through it. And um, another one. All of them three varieties are not hunters. They always graze into um, seaweeds and stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean we're going actually in a, in 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 fish cages where because of the because of the feeding process, all the other fish, all the wild fish go out there to have some food. So we got fortunes and we got like around six kilos of fish today. That
0: sounds fantastic. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to cure it? Are
1: you going to grill it? Are you going to sauté? What's the plan? We're <laughs> going over, to overroar some. Um, Later this afternoon when I'm going to finish with the interview with you, I will go and do some grilling with my friends and have some wine and, and salad and stuff. Uh, I might do some ceviche with it, which is one of my favorite like preparations of fish because you're going feel the freshness when something is very fresh I managed to have a ceviche uh it's very that like, if you have it cold it's it's very cleansing for your palate it's it's very clean you can feel all the flavor of the fish um i, th- I think a bit of everything because we have different as well sizes i have small ones for frying big ones for roasting and, and grating um and yeah
0: sounds fantastic i wish i could come over <laughs> <laughs> You were awarded a Michelin star at the age of 28. What does it feel like to be the first Greek awarded a Michelin star out of Greece?
1: I don't really think about this because I'm always, I'm always trying to think about my next accolade and um, I'm trying to be as humble as possible about it because I feel like I'm just a cook and um, I don't want to like, obviously because of Michelin star, you might have some like people contacting you and, and some like, celebrity chef or whatever, like I don't wanna feel like something like that because I'm not like a a, a doctor because I'm not saving lives or whatever. I just wanna cook my food and give a nice experience to my customers.
0: Well, you sound very modest, but I'm sure your mom is so proud of you.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I personally lived in Julia Child's apartment when I was living in France and it was such an inspiration for me uh, just to be there, you know, learning French food and especially the restaurant scene. Um, what chefs inspired you? Like, who was your biggest
1: influence? Uh, so, inspiring me most of the moment is uh, Chef Thomas Keller and Gordon Ramsay. Just because I feel like they're, very, they're great on, on uh, serving amazing food, having three Michelin stars, and um, being great businessmen as well, having great successful businesses. So that's what I'm looking up to, to be at some point in my life at the moment.
0: Absolutely, it takes uh, more than just being a fantastic chef. Um, so chef, you found your way uh, to London after you left Greece. Given the amount of talent pool of local chefs, how did you view the London culinary scene we need to cover, Pirater? Was it intimidating for you to step into London scene?
1: I don't feel myself that I want to be challenged though by any chef there. I feel like everyone, even if it's from London or not, has a unique um, character and unique food anyway. So I feel like everyone is unique and should have their own like, customer or clientele. So personally, I don't think that was a problem for me. And I don't feel like it shouldn't be a problem for anyone else because just it's, everyone is special and unique in their own way.
0: What are some of your favorite restaurants in London?
1: That's a good question. Uh, as I said before, I don't think I have a favorite restaurant in London just because there's so many restaurants that I'm always going in different one. I, don't want, I will not go back in the same restaurant uh, because it's good to, have in, to go and find different um, menus and see different talents, see different chefs. Um, I don't think I have a favorite restaurant just because of the variety of restaurants out there. Uh, you have such a big gamma of fine dining, street food, Like gastropubs and stuff, so I feel like everything is unique, and I will not go in a restaurant a second time. Not because I don't like it, just because I want to find more experiences.
0: I absolutely agree with you. I think whether it's a gastropub like Coavadi's to fine dining, London has such a fantastic variety of. Exactly. Yeah. Restaurant. So, um, going back to the restaurant, it's almost like missing an opportunity to dine somewhere else because there's just Brilliant. so so yeah. many restaurants to experience.
1: Exactly, that's, um, that's the way I'm thinking. Yeah.
0: How do you think COVID will affect the restaurant business?
1: Um, unfortunately, I can't find any positive way or any positive thing that can happen because of COVID. Um, we don't know anything yet, but I suppose if I have to have half the seats in the restaurant, definitely I have to have half my staff, which will leave so many chefs that have the dream to become someone unemployed, which really breaks my heart, unfortunately, to let go of some of my staff, where I know that all of them really want to become someone and be, maybe become someone like me or maybe someone like a different chef. Um, that's even gonna bring less profits to the restaurant, which is very sad, which can, you can see the future of yourself not being as bright as it was before. I suppose we we'll only have to let, to just see what's going to happen and I really hope that the cure will happen that you know we're going to go back to normal life and nothing bad will occur.
0: It is heartbreaking indeed, I, I'm just staying positive for all hard-working chefs out there. Yeah. Um, what do you think is our responsibility as chefs for a more sustainable and eco-friendly industry? Do you think uh, veganism is a solution?
1: It's another tricky question. Like it happens that from my tradition as, as, as a Greek, first of all, not as a chef, we've been brought up with a million vegan recipes from ancient Greece or whatever. So we had this vegan like diet even before it was even a culture or whatever. I don't, I don't know how I can call it. So I don't feel like veganism. I think veganism is a fashion, and I don't like follow fashion really myself. I'm just doing my own thing. Um, is our responsibility as chefs to make sure that we don't have food waste anyway. That's why we get paid for and make sure we use like every single piece of the feast, the cheeks, the bones and everything and make sure that we're going to do our best to help, first of all, our profession to move forward, help the nature and do not spend unnecessary um, so resources and sources like meat, fish, vegetables, or whatever that might be?
0: Uh, well, there is a reason that Mediterranean diet considered as one of the healthiest. It's such a mix of focus on vegetables and the fish. It's always so well balanced and pure and beautiful that I think that um, not sticking just to vegetables, but respecting the fish, respecting the ingredients, and uh, not having any waste, I think it's a complete circle. I think it's one of the most beautiful cuisines in the world that are also sustainable. Um, Now, uh, do you think focusing on getting the best product that is something that is so unique to Pied-A-Terre?
1: Obviously, I understand that there are different types of establishments, all right? But, again, it's our job to make sure that we use the best of the best of the ingredients, even if it's Pied-A-Terre or even if it's anything else. Now, I'm having uh, farmers that I'm talking on a daily basis about who is growing my pigs, who is growing my beef, uh, what cuts we're going to use. I want to take half the beef and have small cuts every week, etc. So one of the most important things to have the best wild ingredients in the whole world I can find, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm doing my own olive oil, I'm bringing from Greece, then I'm having ingredients from Italy, I'm having pigeons and wines from France, I'm having, like, thing, I'm having fish from Norway, like spray cotton stuff. I'm getting sometimes um, chanterelles and mushrooms from the USA. That's the most important part of my job.
0: I feel like chefs have been influencing countries that were so behind, like United States, which went from chips and hamburgers and hot dogs to now actually people going to the butchers, going to fishmongers, knowing what's in season. Um, It's really, especially in UK as well, where it was just fish and chips. I think chefs have influenced certain countries that were so behind in the food
1: scene. And to be, to, to be honest, I think that what used to happen, even in the USA, in seventies people they knew lots more how to use different cuts of meat, even USA or whatever you we feel like is not a culinary scene of the world. But after like we've gone into like globalization and, uh, and people trying to always find a better job and become lawyers or I don't know, whatever that might be, a very busy lifestyle makes us think about less about food. So then people go to the point where they didn't know anything about food. And then now they go to the point where they're very interested about food because they say like, how is possible? We don't know like how to cook, how to cut a chicken in four pieces. You know what I mean? So I feel like it, people before they knew how to, how to use all these ingredients, but at some point from the '70s up to '90s, like 2000s or whatever, like people just stopped caring, and now they come back to the to the way that they care again about food.
0: Yeah, once again, I think it's a big influence from the chefs who are educating the public, and yeah, now definitely you're actually curious about things, and you can learn about it without being a chef. So, uh, big kudos to you guys. <laughs> um, and uh, and so, so, in the middle of COVID now, how are you spending your days? Um, how do you keep yourself busy?
1: Um, I mean, I'm trying to uh, write new recipes for when I go back. I'm trying to try things I didn't try before. Definitely, I want to rest a little bit to be like fully charged when I come back. Um, I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. So, I'm just trying to be creative in some ways. Um, And then trying to see things like that I wouldn't have time to do before, family, friends, etc. Again, see it positive, you know, like you can't say, oh, we don't work now. I'm very sad and upset. Like you just try to make the most out of it now that you have the time to do it.
0: And so if you weren't a chef, who would you be? What else are you passionate about?
1: Uh, (laughs) If I wasn't a chef? I think if I was a chef, I would be um, like a captain in a ship. I don't know how you call it. Like um, I want to go to uh, to university to become like a captain in big travel ships or whatever. Um, That's one of the things I would like to do. But can't think of anything else really. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's
0: see. It must be so encouraging to see the diners who value your experience in cooking to come back. Um, Do you now, do you think you could run a restaurant somewhere else um, rather than London?
1: First of all, I would love to be able at some point to have my own restaurant under my name, under me controlling it and running it completely. I need need a bit more time to do that anyway, but um, it's so many interesting places. I think we talked about this before that I would really love to open a restaurant in New York. I feel like it's it's a great city. I've been there before. Um, definitely I would like to do it in my country, but I don't think they're ready yet because the budget of the like, everyday people is quite low. I, I like challenges anyway, in terms of my, of my job. So yeah.
0: Okay. Do you see, being in London, do you see advantage of being close to, to wine country, France? Yeah. Uh, sure. You have such a wonderful beverage program you and david Moore aim for balance in the 800 bin list correct yeah. um noting that your dining room is not a place for orange wines even at the lower end wines must offer outstanding value and balance um how did you guys decide to work uh with uh, with them and what is what is your wine list composed of
1: um obviously we, uh, we try to live with david lots more into the sommelier side of things, because obviously I'm the chef, David's the owner, and we have the sommelier, which we want to give him the, uh, the freedom of do whatever they want. Uh, Peter Terry is one of the places that have one of the biggest wine lists in the UK, uh, generally. Uh, we have wines that you need, if you sit down on a table, you need at least, if you want to read a whole wine list, at least one and a half hour reading on the list, understanding the wines. Um, Now, I think, as the time goes by, we're more open of bringing more different wines in the restaurant. Um, Myself, personally, obviously, the orange wine originated in Georgia, yeah? Um, So, I travelled there in 2015 to do a masterclass in the Culinary Institute of of Georgia. Um, And it happened that I've tried some amazing orange wines. And um, although even as Greece and Georgia is one of the, of, the, of the oldest countries that produced wine in the whole world ever, they, they're all, they're very, we, we are very stuck in our old ways of making wine. Now, the sommeliers of nowadays, they feel like, you know, they're not great. Um, but they have some type of like old touch to it which I personally like myself, but again, it's up to someone's like, um, someone to choose. Because France is such, such, a, such, such a country with very big variety of wines and, and amazing wines. And they basically, the basic economy is based on wines. Now any other country as Italy and Greece and Georgia, when they have to sell wines, they end up having a very high price which makes them not so approachable as french wines and then someone who is having a french wine and a greek wine next to them they're going to go for a french wine for sure because of the prestigious side of it and of its of its, of its famous
0: i mean growing up in russia we were um always so familiar with georgian wines i went to georgia many times fantastic food really really nice i love
1: food. i love the food and and i love the people what? there
0: it's just such a fantastic experience, and I still want to go back. I haven't visited in maybe five years. Uh, such a warm city. The food is just absolutely delicious, um, and I think it's so underrated. Georgian wines. I find it yeah. very, uh, very disappointing. Um, and uh, one last question for you. So, what would be your last? Uh, what would be your advice for young cooks and chefs these days?
1: Uh, I don't feel like I'm in any position myself to give advice to anyone. Um, I just don't like this idea of you know I did my own thing, it worked out. I don't want to give the same advice to anyone else. What it worked for me, I would say, is like I had my head down and worked very, very hard to achieve what I have achieved. I've left friends out. I've left family out for a very long time. Some people they don't want to do this. Like it's, it's up to their like it's up to their mind what they want to do. But Working very, very hard is is the only way it will can it can make you become someone or make a name for yourself. Like I don't think by by becoming a, you know, a rock star and superstar in the culinary scene will ever become amazing because the actual skills and taste are very important, aren't they?
0: This is very unlike Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> 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 who I actually absolutely adore, but. <laughs> Chef, um, I actually can't thank you enough. It was so wonderful to be breaking bread with you. Um, I really hope to share a glass of food with you. Um, Santé, and thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me here as well. It was great to you. here.